my father's house there is only peace and love in my father's house I'll prepare a place for us let your hearts find comfort though for now there's trouble the light in my father's house there's a place for you in my father's house everything will be brand new I will come I will bring you on that day all your brothers and to sing of a loving, good God, isn't it? And we have done so in this room, and I'm just grateful to be a part of this community that worships Jesus together. Thank you so much for bringing it with you tonight, Saturday Night Service. Well, my name is Marvin. I want to uh, greet each and every one of you. Just say welcome. Thank you for being here for our Thanksgiving celebration services, whether you are in this room, up in the upper room, or whether you are online. Thank you so much for joining us uh, in this service as well. Just love that you are with us. If you are new, if you are visiting, if you are 
passing through, if you are visiting someone else from out of town, welcome to Christian Assembly. We love that you are here. And uh, we really would love to follow up with you. We'd love to have these conversations. We'd love to call you uh, throughout the week just to check in with you, see how you're doing. Uh, if you would grab the connection card that's in the seat back in front of you, fill that out, drop it in the offering bag. Someone on our team will call you. We just want to get to know you. We just want to pray with you and tell you about great things happening around our church. Uh, a couple of those great things I'll tell you about right now, but all this information is in your bulletin. It's on our app, and it's on our website, so please check out those resources for great information. But ladies, I want you to be invited to join other women of Christian Assembly for the Women's Christmas Gathering, and that's going to be happening that's going to be happening on Wednesday, December 6th at 7 p.m. As you can imagine, a Christmas gathering is going to have singing beautiful songs, holiday games, and we're going to get to, well, not we, but you are going to get to hear the true meaning of the Christmas story, a message of hope that's uh, wrapped up in that story. So, ladies, would you come out to the Women's Christmas Gathering? Again, that's Wednesday, December 6th. And if you come early at 5 p.m., there is a dinner with tacos, rice, beans, and horchata just for you. So make plans to come on Wednesday, December 6th. You can come to the event at 7 p.m., but better yet, come at 5 o'clock and get a taco dinner. Please, 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 RSVP for the taco dinner. If you plan on coming, you can do that on the website just so they have an idea of how many people are coming and they make sure they have enough food for everyone. So please go ahead and do that. Again, you can find out more information about that or many other things happening at Christian Assembly in your bulletin. We're going to continue in our time of worship, and one of the ways that we do that is by offering the Lord of our tithes and offerings. And so this is a part of our worship service that we love to do because God is so good to us. And part of the way we worship him is by surrendering that part of our lives to him and just giving back to a grateful, generous God. Proverbs 3 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And so again, we trust in the Lord in this way. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful because you're a good God, because you're a generous God, because you're a loving God. And Lord, we offer our hearts back to you in worship and gratitude. Would you receive this uh, way that we worship you through the giving of our tithes? Would you receive that as a pleasing offering before you? We're just so grateful that we get to celebrate a God who loves us. Would you continue to bless this service and all those who have gathered here in Jesus' name? Amen. Ushers, you may come. Well, if you're a visitor guest, my name is Tom, and what an honor and a privilege to have you here among us. Uh, some of you I met on your way in, and of course to my CA family, great to be with you. I also want to welcome those of you who are joining us online, as well as those of you at the 1115 South service. And just want to say to everyone, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, love you, pray for you every single day. So proud of you, church, how God is at work in your life, and I get a front row seat to see that. Uh, by the way, on your way in, on the seat that you're sitting in, there is our first ever in the 116-year history of our church, uh, Christian Assembly Magazine. And I'm going to tell you more. Yeah, we can applaud like that. That's a good thing. I'm going to tell you more about it as we get into the teaching. For those of you who are online, we have a copy for you digitally on our website, cachurch.com. You can download the PDF there, and uh, I'll tell you more about it as we go. Well, true story, 
uh, South African man surprised nine, nine different men robbing his home. And eight of the robbers ran away, but the homeowner managed to shove one of them into his backyard pool. And after realizing that, that the robber couldn't swim, the homeowner jumped in to save him from drowning. True story. The Cape Times reports that once out of the pool, the wet thief pulled a knife and threatened the man who had just rescued him from drowning. So the homeowner pushed him back into the pool. <laughs> that's what I would do too, right? And the homeowner in the interview said, we were standing near the pool when I saw the knife. I just, I just pushed him back in. He said, but then I was standing there, and he's gasping for air again, and he's drowning again. So I jumped back in, and I rescued him again. And apparently the second time, the, the thief had dropped the knife, which had sunk to the bottom of the pool. And the homeowner said to the journalist in the interview, he said, to be honest, I didn't think he was a very grateful chap, you know, <laughs> trying to stab me after I had just saved his life and all. There is something in our human hearts that sometimes make us miss the moments that we should be profoundly grateful. And yet with God's help, each one of us can become a person who doesn't miss our moments to be grateful to God and to others. And we're going to consider that. But before we do, let's pray. So God, we thank you for your goodness, your kindness, for joy, for laughter. We thank you for your word, for your spirit, that is at work. We thank you that you are the good shepherd. And as we gather now on this Thanksgiving celebration weekend, Lord, we just want to say thank you. Even before we lay a request before you, we want to say thank you. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for all you've given us. Thank you for all the ways that you've, you've loved us and created us and served us and sustained us and redeemed us. Lord, I pray for those who maybe have never come to know you, that they would come to know you before the end of our time. For those that do know you, may we recenter again on the profound joy and gratitude of being in a relationship with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On your way in, hopefully you got a bulletin. If you did, you can flip it open to the center section. You'll see the teaching notes that are there that we are going to fill out as we go throughout our time together uh, this weekend. And before I get too far into the teaching, I don't want uh, us to miss a moment, a few moments for us to be grateful. Um, last weekend at our uh, three, four, and five, third, fourth, and fifth grade um, ministry, Trey Gomez gave the opportunity for anybody who wanted to respond to Christ to respond to Christ. And we had 23 uh, kids make a first-time commitment to Christ, nine made recommitments to Christ. So 32 third, fourth, and fifth graders made decisions for Jesus last weekend. It's amazing to see how God's at work. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got to applaud that. <clears throat> so Trey told one story of one little girl named Daphne. And Daphne afterwards said, I have been ready and, and waiting for someone to just ask me to commit my life to Jesus. So I'm so glad that you finally asked me to commit. So let me just say, like, if you're Daphne's parents, like, or, or if you're, you're like, I feel like I'm Daphne. By the end of the time, I'm going to give you the opportunity. But I love, I love the urgency of that little girl 
And Jesus says we have to be like children to enter into the kingdom of God. A few other kind of congregational participation moments. Um, if you volunteer at Kids Church or at our student ministries, would you just pop your hand up real quick? Yeah, and we just want to thank you. I want to thank you for doing that. Thank you. We have hundreds of students and hundreds of kids, and it would not be possible to serve them without you. Second group, if you volunteer as a life group leader, a recovery group leader, a Bible study table leader, or any other type of group leader in the life of our church, would you just pop your hand up? Yeah, and we want to applaud you. Thank you. Thank you for leading us, for loving us, for serving us. Last group, of course, I could do a lot of other groups, but if you volunteer with either worship tech, uh, welcome, um, parking lot, or ushers. Would you pop your hand up? Yeah, and we just want to thank you as well. We thank you for serving us. Now, I could do a lot more groups, of course, but for all of you who serve in any capacity to make Christian Assembly possible, I just want to say thank you. I don't want to miss my moment, our moment, to thank you. I've never met a person who says, you know, when I grow up, I'm hoping I become ungrateful. My goal is to become entitled, constantly worried, cynical, and stressed out. That's what I'm shooting for. That's where I want to be. And yet the reality is that if we don't make a constant, intentional decision to grow in gratitude, we will often drift to complaint and ungratefulness. The Bible's filled with practical ways for us to grow, each one of us to grow in gratitude. So I'm going to give us four key principles from God's Word that are going to help us grow in gratitude even this week. And the first one is this, is that calm contentment is the foundation of thanksgiving. little self-reflection moment. On a scale of 1 to 10, how content of a person are you? Now what does it mean to be content? The Greek word in the New Testament means to be enough or to have enough. To be enough or to have enough. That's what it means to be content. So with God, you can, you can say, with God I am enough and I have enough to do all that God plans for my life. Now we're not saying that on our own. It's not arrogance. It's not, I'm not saying it apart from God. Apart from God, we can do nothing. But with God, I am enough and I have enough to do all that God wants to do and his good plan for my life. And the more deeply we believe that, the calmer person we become, the more non-anxious presence I grow to be. Now, the Bible repeatedly applies this idea of contentment to finances because the thing about money is no matter how much you have, if you're not careful, you always think you need a little bit more. So when you're young, you think, if I could just earn that amount of money, then I'd be content. And then you grow up and you get a job and you're earning that amount of money and you think, huh, like I'm not as content as I thought I would be, but if I could just get a little bit more money, then I would be content. And then it happens again. And you're like, I'm not as content as I thought. And the cycle just repeats. At some point in your life, you have to say, with God, I have enough. And that's good enough. Now, what is the standard biblically to start being content financially according to the Bible? See if you can identify when contentment should begin in our lives biblically. We pick it up in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. It says this, 
but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. So if you have food and clothing, that's enough for you to cultivate a spirit of contentment financially. Now, of course, if we see somebody naked and they're hungry, Christ would command us to feed them and to clothe them. But looking around, all of you are clothed and, and well-fed, so I think, I think we're okay on that front. So we can learn to be, we can learn to be content. And yet God doesn't only promise me enough. He actually promises me that if I trust Him and I follow Him, He can provide me with whatever I need to do whatever He asks. Listen to this promise of God and how many times it says the word all or abound in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And just that one sentence we are told seven times about abundance bless abundantly all things all times all we need to abound in every good work now it's interesting in the greek because the word that's translated here all sufficiency is the same word that is translated as contentment so you and i can be content today because god is all sufficient we're not content because because we're all sufficient in and of ourselves or not. God is our provider. God is the one who gives us new strength. God is the one who gives us new energy. God is the one who gives us new mercies each morning. God's sufficiency becomes the foundation for our contentment. And we can genuinely learn to say, with God, I am enough and I have enough because God is enough for me, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through. The second thing that the Bible teaches us to grow and and gratitude is this, is that we have to learn to be thankful for imperfect gifts and imperfect people. The biblical principle of contentment not only applies to money, but also to situations and people too. If you can only be grateful for perfect people and perfect gifts, you are not going to be very thankful in this life, right? But if we shift our thinking and we shift the focus on what is good or enough or good enough, we'll find that our lives are just flooded with gratitude. And a lot of this has to do with focus. As we're taught in Philippians 4.8, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. How are you doing on fixing your thoughts on those things? For example, let's say you go to the beach and a friend asks you, how was the day at the beach? The moment they ask you that, you have a subtle choice to make about what your focus will be. How will you tell the story of your day at the beach? Now, you can either say, well, the traffic wasn't so great and it was slightly cloudy and the one wave hit me awkwardly, so I got some water in my ear. And when we do that, we are subtly saying, let me tell you all the ways that my day at the beach wasn't perfect. And when we do that, we rob gratitude from ourselves, but we also put our friend in the awkward position of having to say, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry for you that you spent the day at the beach. I'm so <laughs> sorry. 
that you didn't have to work and you got to go to the beach. What are we sorry for? We're sorry for the fact that you had a day at the beach, but it wasn't a perfect day at the beach. Now, or you could tell that exact same story with a different focus. How was your day at the beach? You could say, it was really good. Notice you're not saying it's perfect. It was really good. I'm grateful that I live close enough to the beach to go for a day trip. And I had a chance to listen to some great music on the way down. You don't have to say, because the traffic was so horrible, I was... No, I, I was listening to some great music. My favorite podcast on the way down. Same day, same experience with a different standard and a different focus, and it results in a different story being told and a different amount of gratitude in your life. One results in complaint. The other results in thanksgiving. Because entitlement, as we all know, robs us of gratitude and thanksgiving. But hear this, so does perfectionism. So does perfectionism. If things have to always be perfect for you to be grateful, if, if a person has to always be perfect for you to be grateful, you will be robbed of gratitude throughout your life. But instead, we can become genuinely thankful for imperfect gifts and imperfect people. And by the way, I just want to say, church, honestly, you do this so well. So I know I'm, I'm reinforcing what you already do well because I want you to keep doing this well. We are not a perfect church. We don't have perfect parking. <laughs> we all know that, right? We don't have perfect facilities. We don't have a perfect campus, and you know that. But you are grateful for how God uses our imperfect gatherings on our imperfect campus with our imperfect parking to meet you. Our staff is not perfect. And I am the least perfect of all the staff. And yet, you so often express your gratitude to our staff. Thank you for being grateful to our imperfect staff team. And it's not just our staff. Because the reality is, is I hear you expressing gratitude to volunteers and others who are serving all the time. And I want to say way to go. And I also want to remind you that you're not perfect either. As one, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says, if we claim that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. And yet, just as I hear you expressing gratitude for our staff, I constantly hear our staff expressing gratitude for all of you as well. It is a soul-enriching experience to be part of that with you. And so thank you for your gratitude for our imperfect church that we are. And thank you that you can see the good even in the imperfect as we gather. And by the way, I'm not counting on you being perfect all the time, just like you're not counting on me to be perfect all the time either. We are counting together and we are looking towards the perfect one named Jesus. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9-10. through 10, Paul's recounting his, his prayer time and experience with the Lord. And he says this, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient. It's the same word translated content or more than enough. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, bad parking, imperfect facilities... 
For when I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, I can be thankful for imperfect gifts and imperfect people because Christ, His grace, is sufficient. It is more than enough for me. And it is more than enough for you. And Christ's power is perfect. And it is perfectly able to handle this imperfect world with its imperfect circumstances. Brings us to the third point, which is this. If you want to grow in gratitude, you have to choose to intentionally express gratitude to God and others and not just feel it. Sometimes we can feel grateful and and not necessarily go and express it to the person. For example, in Luke 17, verse 11, we pick up a story of ten lepers Now, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going to a village, ten men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on me. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So they were healed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, and he, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, and he said, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. In the beginning of the story, ten call out in faith, but only one returns to intentionally express gratitude to God. Why is this? Well, you could think, well, maybe the other nine weren't grateful. Maybe they were entitled. We know that entitlement is the thief of gratitude. You are either entitled or you are grateful, but you can't be both at the same time. But there is nothing in the text that indicates that they were entitled. When they call out to Christ, they're asking for pity. They're asking for mercy. They're asking for compassion. They don't shout out and say, Jesus, you owe me. That's what an entitled prayer would sound like. But that's not what they said. So if they aren't entitled, then why does only one return? Maybe, maybe they're just excited because, you know, if they had leprosy, they were quarantined. And they couldn't be around family and friends, so... So maybe they just rushed off to go be with family and friends once they showed themselves to the priests who would verify that they would be healed, that they were clean and they could go and it wouldn't be contagious anymore. Maybe they felt gratitude, but maybe it took too much time and energy to go back and actually show the gratitude. There's a big difference between feeling grateful and showing gratitude. Showing gratitude forces us to slow down and spend some time and energy and effort. As we head into Thanksgiving, I've been thinking about my own life. And this thought is one I've been reflecting on. If the only evidence that was available to a court of law to prove that I was a grateful man were my actions, not my thoughts, not my feelings, but what I actually do, would there be enough evidence to convict me as being a man marked of gratitude. At the end, Jesus says, Rise, go, your faith has made you well. Faith and gratitude are close cousins. In fact, study after study has shown the healing impact when we express gratitude. By the way, not just when we think 
about gratitude and not just when we feel it. But the studies show that you have to actually express it to have the healing impact come to your life. Expressing gratitude has been shown by countless studies in academic settings to improve sleep, to improve your mood, and to improve your immunity. When you do an act of gratitude, it decreases your depression, it decreases your anxiety, it decreases chronic pain, and it decreases your risk of disease. If a pill could do this, everyone would be taking it, and the manufacturer would be the largest company on planet Earth today. And yet, this is available free to each one of us. It's available to everyone because of how God has actually wired us physically to work whenever we express gratitude. Let me give you one ex uh, specific example. And then I'm going to invite you to make this your homework assignment this week. There's a leading researcher on this. His name's Dr. Martin Seligman. And he tested the various different assignments to help people boost their mood and become happier. And so he tried all sorts of things. Of all the assignments he could think of, there is one thing that worked the best, and it far outpaced everything else he thought of. Can you think of what the one thing is? Here's what it is. When a person was assigned to write and personally deliver a letter of gratitude to someone who had never been properly thanked for his or her kindness or impact on their life, participants immediately exhibited a massive increase in their happiness score. In fact, it was greater than any other assignment in the mood and health benefit of writing one personal letter and delivering it to the person, uh, you know, specifically, so not just putting the mail, but giving it to them, handing it to them, that from one letter, your happiness quotient would be boosted for an entire month. That, that's what they found in that study. At the end of the time, I'm going to give you a chance to just think of one person that you might want to write one letter of gratitude to them. Part of growing in gratitude is not just feeling it, but taking time to express it to God and to others. The fourth thing I would say is this is that if you want to cultivate a, a, an attitude of gratitude, a spirit of gratitude, you need to give others a reason to be thankful to God for you. Earlier, I gave you 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, which seven times says the word either all or every or abound or abundance. God is able to do all this, but the passage continues. And I want you to hear what part of the purpose of the contentment or the sufficiency is. Here it is, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 to 12, says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. He is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, He supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply, he who does that, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. That means you're rightly acting in right ways before God and rightly acting in right ways with those that you know. You will be enriched in every way to be generous. In every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce a thanksgiving to God. 
for the ministry of this service. Now Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and, and they're going to deliver this gift to those in need. So they were, they were doing a financial gift. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Well, they long for you and they pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that is upon you. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. So God wants us to be content and rest in his sufficiency for our life, to, to know that with God we have enough and we are enough to do whatever God's asking us to do. We don't have to live our lives with constant worry or pressure to, to kind of live up to some type of like pressurized, legalistic perfectionism. So part of being thankful, the first step is really being content. But also then God wants to use our contentment to then become the foundation of both our thanksgiving, but then also our generosity to overflow. By which when we do that, God then uses that to give many other people around us a reason to thank God. On your seat on the way in, there's a magazine, a Christian Assembly magazine, uh, that I just entitled Overflow. And it partly comes out of the verses that we just read. And for those of you that are online, uh, you can get a digital copy at cachurch.com, PDF version, which I mentioned. Now, why did we do this magazine? First time we've ever done this. <clears throat> the reason we did this is because I personally want to thank each one of you. Each of you who call CA home, whether you're online, whether you're, you're in person, here now, you were content enough. You were thankful enough. You believed in God's sufficiency enough to intentionally express your gratitude by your generosity as we just read from 2 Corinthians 9. As the church in Corinth did, we've done that as well. Now, inside the magazine, you are going to find story after story after story after story after story. Local stories, global stories, people who are young, people who are old, men and women, people of every tribe, tongue, and, and generation who... We, just here at Christian Assembly, this little church family, we've impacted, and all of these stories in this magazine have happened over the last 12 months. So we restricted the storytelling just from like last Thanksgiving to this Thanksgiving. So it's just over the last 12 months, and all of this is happening because of your faith, because of your contentment, because of your thanksgiving, and because of your generosity. One of the things that's a challenge for us as a church, it's a great challenge. May every church on the planet have this challenge. Is that once a month we do a kingdom update and we tell stories of your impact, but we always have to leave stories out. In fact, we have 40 different kingdom partnerships and endeavors that are going on right now. So if we only highlight one once a month, it takes us like three and a half years to get back around to telling. I mean, that's just a long time. And so we were trying to figure out how can we tell these stories in a way 
that, that people could take it and they could read them and they could be impacted by it and know the full breadth of what's going on. And so that's why we end up doing this magazine. Now, how do I want you to use this magazine? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to you how I want you to use it. First of all, I want you to take it with you and read it, however long it takes you to read it. Like if it takes you five months to get around to it, so be it, right? But I want you to take it with you and read it. So read it all the way through once. And when you're done reading it all the way through once, the second thing I want you to do with it is I want you to turn it into a prayer guide. So now you're not just reading it, but now you're praying for each of the ministries that we're partnered with that are in this magazine. And I guarantee you, there are stories in this magazine that you're going to be like, I didn't even know we were doing that. I didn't even know. I didn't even know that was happening. Like my wife, by the way, thank you. My wife was the, the writer and the editor um, for the magazine. And so she was writing some of the stories from our kingdom party. She was like, did you know this is happening? Did you know that is happening? Like she was reminding me of things that we're doing. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that one. I forgot. I mean, it's amazing to see what we're doing. So the second thing is take it and use it as a prayer guide. Pray for the ministries in it, all of which we have supported in the last 12 months alone. Then the third thing is when you have read it and you've prayed through it, the third thing I want you to do is I want you to give it to a friend as an invitation or take it to a local coffee shop and leave it there for someone to pick it up and read it so that they too could hear the stories of how God is at work. You know, back whenever we did the medical debt in 2019, the most common question I got asked by journalists was this, do you think your church will ever do anything again for those outside the life of your congregation? I was like, okay. Let me tell you how church works, you know, and I'm like, how much time you got? And I started reeling off all the different things that we're doing. I'm like, I get it. You heard this one thing, and for whatever reasons, it went viral and all the rest. But there are a million other stories happening that I get it. They're not going to make it to the evening news. I'm aware of that. But this is happening all the time. This is happening all the time. And the number one thing I heard from the journalists was it is so refreshing to get to report on something good because we have to always go chase the bad headline. It is so refreshing to get to report on something good. So when you're done with it, give it to a friend, leave it in a local coffee shop as, as a way to, to, to have people see all the goodness that's occurring. In the magazine, you'll get to read about people like Doreen. Doreen was living in a tent on a sidewalk in Highland Park. But she's no longer homeless because we sponsored a tiny home that Doreen moved into and over the last 18 months has gotten enough mental health services that now she's, she's gotten a job and she's in permanent housing. That, that happened right here, not like on the other side of the planet. That happened right here because of your generosity. Or Darnisha, who you'll see a picture of her, who chose not to abort her son because of the support of a crisis pregnancy center that we support. And the magazine has a picture of the little boy that she named Legend. Or Ruth, who received a new prosthetic leg in Jesus' name so that she could walk again. Or Wilma, who was helped when the earthquake in Turkey and Syria hit. Because of your generosity, we were able to give $50,000, and that money helped not only her, but a bunch of other people 
Or Jabordi, a nine-year-old little boy in Ghana who now has clean water to drink every single day because of you and gets to actually go to school more hours because he doesn't have to walk so far to go get unclean water, which was the only water source for them. Or Sophia, a Ukrainian refugee who is now leading a Ukrainian Young Life Club in the Czech Republic. Or Mr. M in Vietnam. Or Zor, a Muslim from Central Asia who's come to Christ. The list could go on. Over 60 pages of stories. And each of those stories represents many, many more that we couldn't fit all within even that magazine. And I want you to know, when I talk to those leaders and when I talk to some of those people that are in that magazine, they are literally thanking God for you. You maybe have never met them. They've never met you. But they are thanking God for you. And this Thanksgiving, CA, what I want you to hear from me, and I speak on behalf of myself and the management team, the elders and the staff, we want to thank God for you as well. Thank you, CA, for being the kind of church that gives other people a reason to be thankful to God for you. Let's pray. With God, I am enough and I have enough. And so do you if you've come to know God. So between you and God right now, just for a moment, how can you grow in contentment this week? What imperfect gift or imperfect person do you want to thank God for right now? And I want to encourage you, don't just feel gratitude in this moment, but express it. As I mentioned earlier, who's the one person that you might choose to write a letter to and thank them this week for some way that they've impacted you or helped you or built your faith or loved you well? Who's your one person? Do it for them, do it for you. I want to thank you, CA, for giving others a reason to be grateful for you. Each and every one of you calls Christian Assembly home. I'm grateful for you. Whether you're online, whether you're in the 1115 South right now, whether you're, you're here in this room right now, I'm grateful for you. God is at work in you. God is at work through you. In our neighborhood, in our city, all around the world, people are saying thank you to God for you, for your faith, for your prayers, for your giving and your serving. And I want to add my voice to theirs. God, thank you for the people of Christian Assembly Church. Continue, God, to mark us with a calm contentment and a deep gratitude and an abundant generosity to be part of all that you're doing. God is sufficient for you, church. In fact, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to do that now, whether you're online, in person. You were created for a relationship with God. And yet sin entered the world and we all freely have participated in sin. And the wages of sin, according to the Bible, in the book of Romans, it tells us the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who died on the cross and yet then rose again on the third day. He died to pay for our sin and rose again on the third day to give us new life. And if we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. 
And not just saved, but will be made new. Where we desire to know God and find His purpose for our life and step into it and rest in His sufficiency and have a foundation of contentment which then builds into gratitude and overflows in generosity which then others say, can you believe what God has done? Thank God for His work in those people. And then they too continue on the song of thanksgiving. If you've given your life to Christ right now, if you want to, you can just say, God, I'm saying yes to you. Thank you for dying for me, Jesus. Save me. I confess my sin and turn from that. And I want to be one of your followers. Make me new. That's you. Your very next step is to be baptized. If you've already given your life to Christ, take a moment, even here, even now, and thank God for the gift of your salvation. God, we thank you for the gift of salvation for each one who has responded to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 